welcome to Here in L.A., Arlington Heights edition. Today we talk with Gary Phillips. Gary is a native Angelino who grew up in South Central Los Angeles in the 60s. He became a writer of crime, comics, sci-fi. He's even written for TV shows that you've heard of. So we'll talk about villains, okie dogs, and what it was like playing high school football in the smoggy summer days of the 70s. Also, is owning a craftsman north of the 10 making it? So here he is with that fantastic voice, Gary Phillips. Hey, everybody. I am here in Arlington Heights with Gary Phillips. Hey! Gary, thank you for inviting me into your beautiful home. Oh, thanks for having me, Tony. Ladies and gentlemen, we are sitting in front of a real black man <laughs> with a beautiful deep voice, a, a whole Hilarious. room of records, yeah, like yeah, actual yeah. records, yeah. a real stereo. That's it. There we go. And we know you don't mess with a black man's stereo. That's it. There you go. And so, uh, Gary, what a gorgeous home you have here. Well, <laughs> thank you, Tony. This is a real craftsman house, right? Yeah, it is. It was, uh, uh, I believe it was originally built in 1911. You know, it's been refurbished, I guess, several times. Uh, but uh, and when we got it, we bought it from. Uh, well, we flipped our old house and we got this house from a flipper. How about that for gentrification one on one in Los Angeles, right? Well, I mean, but you're 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 ungentrifying this neighborhood. Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know what we're doing. Yeah, that's interesting, right? Because you know where we are, uh, we're also near um, uh, West Adams, right? Yes. So, and as you well know, West Adams is going through a heck of a a heck of a gentrification, a heck of a change. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I don't know if we're the last holdout. I should mention, by the way, our our neighbor um, has lived, she is, uh, I believe she's 98 or 99. Anyway, she's lived in that house since she was 11. How about that? Wow. And this, she's still mobile. I mean, she's still. This lady right here? Yes. Uh-huh. How yeah. about that? How about that? That's pretty is cool. she a black woman too? No. No, no, no. Uh, she's uh, Armenian-American. Armenians? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you think this was an Armenian neighborhood back in the day? You know, I, I have no idea, but it's funny you should say that because uh, several years ago, um, we had a plumber come over here, and this guy was, I believe he was, I think he was actually from Russia. I mean, he, he, he spoke English, but he had a fairly heavy accent. And he, well, no, that's not true. I guess he was Russian-American, because, but he talked about the fact that when he was a kid, his somebody in his family used to live in this area, so possibly it was that, that kind of um, European, Eastern Europe. I don't know. Well, Russia's not Eastern European, but yeah. anyway, that kind of immigrant community that may uh, probably maybe lived in this area. Yeah. Which now? Uh, by the way, and now that we talk about it, maybe now you also made me think. <laughs> right down here on uh, east of us, right here on Pico, uh, right around a little back, a little past Arlington is uh, Papa Christos, which has been there for a long time. The Greek place. The Greek place. Yes. And across from them is the Greek Orthodox Church. That's right. Yeah. So there you go. Now, you're a native Angelino. I am. I'm from Chicago. Right on. Came here for college. Yes. One thing I love about L.A. is how diverse it is. Right. We can't even pinpoint who was in Arlington Heights back in the day. Bigger, right. Because so many, because it's, it's, it's changed so much. Right. For good reason, though. That's right. It's a. It's. I would say this is central. Yeah. To downtown, to the yeah, beach, like it is. that's right. You know, right. Um, it's close to the ten. Yeah. Uh, for the gentrifiers, it's uh, north of the ten, <laughs> which I bet you cost you that's, a bit of a premium. That's a hilarious. Is, uh, well, 
I, I don't know that it did, or I don't know that it did at the time when we got the house. But since then, you're right; it has uh, the market rate has gone up. Well, I, I would I would say compared to West Adams, because I, I think West Adams still is a bit of a value. Yeah. Because it's south of the ten. Yes. And there are people out there who who look down on being south of the 10 right. foolishly right? because yeah, exactly. <laughs> those houses are, are just as beautiful. That's too. right. No, absolutely. And there's not bars on those windows. That's right. That's right. And actually you're actually closer to like the expo line over there. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, okay. So you grew up in LA where, what neighborhood in LA did you grow up in? Uh, we didn't, you know, our neighbors didn't have any uh, particular <laughs> distinctions other than, uh, we grew, I grew up in South Central, but I'm going to get to the distinction uh, where we were we were under what was uh, the, the police station that served our area uh, was uh, seventy infamous 77th Division. Yes, uh, and so that was how, that's how you distinguish at least in my day how you distinguish various uh, neighborhoods in South Central by what was the you know what was the police. Uh, 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 units that served the area that served That's that right. were that patrolled the area that you lived in. Was there a specific incident that made it uh, notorious? No, man. It's a it's a cumulative thing. Um, <laughs> they're always course, bad. They're always bad. Uh, and of course, they've been written up. You know, seventy seventh in terms of the history of the seventy seventh has uh, been chronicled in various books. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm thinking of uh, particularly uh, uh, Joe Dominic's book uh, uh, to. Uh, to uh, serve and protect, which is a history of the LAPD, it's a great book, actually, oh, very, okay. very, very well done book. Um, but uh, no, the 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 thing that sticks in my mind, and I've talked about this uh, before, and I've maybe written about it as well, is that you know when you'd go to the uh, barber shop, uh, you would often hear then some tale of some brother who got jacked up, uh, uh, railroaded, ramrodded uh, by the uh, folks out of sev- by the cops out of seventy seventh. So it was never one particular uh, harrowing story, but there was like a series of these harrowing stories that you just kind of heard growing up. There's a culture. Yeah. Is seventy seventh near Fig? That station? No, seventy uh, seventh is uh, on uh, Broadway uh, near Florence. Okay. Yeah. I asked. Um, by the way, then later, then we they switched. They did some kind of re. Figuring of the uh, their map, their area maps, yeah, and then we got under Newton Division after that. Uh, shooting Newton, shooting Newton, that's right. There you go. Shooting Newton, uh, which uh, has a church's chicken nearby. There you go. There you go. Where I had an uncle who said, "Well, you know, there's black folk if there's a church's chicken around." <laughs> Are you a meat eater? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Are you a fan of churches? You know, I, I'm a fan of churches, but oddly enough, I'm also a fan of Popeyes. Now, because there's something about Popeyes which is not um, maybe because they I don't know they air fry the chicken. I don't know. I'm not quite exactly sure, but it is never oily and it's always moist. I, I just, yeah. I'm, I'm it's very remarkable to me. You're know? not far from the 24 hour Popeyes. You mean the one um, here on? Uh, is it on? Uh, it's not on Expo. It's on. Uh, it's close. It's close though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On. The one on Western and is it Expo or I Western? I think that's and King? Western. Is it Western and King? It, it might be King. Yeah, it might be Western and King. I know the one you're talking about. Yeah. There's another one on King. I know a little too much about Popeyes. So. Yeah, apparently, you do. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, yeah. Okay, so you, you're growing up in South Central. What uh, what year did you leave South Central? Oh, you know, I was there for a long time, Tony, because I'm an old man. So really, not until. Uh, and I, it should, I should mention that it, growing up in South Central was also uh, a way into my, uh, 
have a background as a community activist, uh, community organizer. Oh. And so because, of course, then growing up with the 77th and, as you, as you mentioned, shooting Newton, uh, it then seemed like a natural fit once I got to college because I was still living in South South, still living at home. It was just me and my dad. Yeah. Uh, once I got to college, then I uh, got involved with several college groups and then eventually with an organization called COPPA, Coalition Against Police Abuse. Sometimes people ask me, is college worth it, especially on, on how expensive it is nowadays? Right, right. And um, I imagine you're in your 50s like I am. No, I'm, I'm way past that, babe. I'm uh, in my 60s. Hey, how about that? You yeah. look fantastic. Yeah, for an old fella. Yeah. Do you work out? I mean, you I, got some arms I, on I, you. I try to. I try to. Huh. Yeah. Curls? <laughs> well, I'm, well, I'm still Pull-ups? Mobile, still mobile. Pull-ups? No. Are you crazy? <laughs> curls, yes. Pull-ups, no. <laughs> so people ask me, is it worth it? And I say, there are things, I always wanted to go to college, yes. but when you're there, you end up in situations that you never expected. Desert Shield and then Desert Storm happened. Right. And we all protested like crazy. Right. Which is nothing that I expected to do. Very interesting. Especially from a beachside community of Santa Barbara. Like, gotcha. what are we going to do right, for the right, world? Right. But when you're in it, you feel it. That's right. right. And, and, and when they say all politics is local... You get it. There I mean, you. Jesse Jackson visited us. Yeah. Hillary Clinton oh, right was on. stumping for Bill Clinton. Right. Uh, Jerry Brown showed up. So, like, That's great. we became politically minded, right. even though all we really wanted to do is chase girls and smoke weed. That's right. And there yet, and so my answer to them is, there's going to be very few communities that you're going to be in in your life where you can do some idealistic things. Dude. And it's it's going to be part of your life. Like, right. it's no big deal. Of course right. you're going to go there. Of right. course you're going to rally. Of course you're going to sit in. Yeah. All those kind of things. Yeah. Is that how you feel too? Well, I agree with you because I think, right, because that's obviously the point of college, which is to be exposed to these various ideas, to have these discussions, to meet people from different walks of life, uh, and, to, right, and to engage gauge yourself and as well as, of course, then to put some of that to the test, right? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, going to, I went to Cal State LA, which is... Uh, uh, still is. Uh, I think it, I think of it more as a sort of a community kind of college, although it's really gotten a bigger, much bigger status now. I guess since I left, it's a, it's a much more renowned school. You laid the groundwork. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, sure I did by leaving. Uh, but uh, but I, but I had a great experience. I, you know, a commuter. I guess it's a commuter college. Right. I guess that's the way to. You, you don't live right. on the campus. You don't live on the campus. That's right. Because right. it's not designed like that. Right. Because you know here here it sits right there in East LA yeah. or in City Terrace. Right. You know, right yeah. off uh, right off the uh, the ten mm-hmm. East. And so, uh, but it was still a great experience. You meet different people. As I said, it kind of became um, the way in which I got sort of politically uh, awakened and, and politically, to me, at least uh, moving forward in terms of uh, shaping my politics, shaping my sort of social uh, change concerns, which then event- eventually you know, made a big uh, difference or uh, it played out not immediately after college, but some years down the line where I, you know, I, I was an organizer for uh, uh, different unions, I then was mm-hmm. uh, outreach director for the Liberty Hill Foundation, which is still around, which funds community organizing. So it, it really played a big role in helping to uh, shape, uh, not only shape the my politics, but some also somewhere down the line how that stuff then find found its way into my fiction. Okay, so so you have uh, written books. Yes, you have written for television. Yeah, um, I've written comics. And, oh, uh, comics too. Uh-huh. And I've written oh. some short stories, quite a few short stories. I guess. Uh, what? Uh, what? 
I feel like writing as a writer, yeah. we're, we're constantly struggling with those two angels on our shoulders. One of them saying, you ain't shit. And the other like, damn, boy, look at you. Who wrote that? That's great. That's Am I right. wrong? No, you're right. You're right. When when did you decide to listen to the Good Angel for real? I never, I never listened to the Good Angel, Tony. <laughs> if you, you know, damn well, if you listen to the Good Angel too much, then you know you're gonna fool yourself, man. You, you're gonna have a rude awakening when somebody else reads it. Damn, man, what what the hell is this? Uh, were you high when you wrote this? Did you? Yes, yes, I was. Yes, I was. Uh, did you bother to go back and look what you wrote? Uh, not not so, at all. No. Yeah, no, exactly. So, no, because I knew it was right. I know it was great when I when I put it down, pen on paper, baby. Come on, man. That's it. Did you get good grade in school? Is what I'm asking. Uh, no. Like the teachers no, encourage you? No, man. Listen, I no. I to this day, uh, and I, I I also talk about this. Man, I I failed my uh, one of my English classes in in high school, and I was like devastated because I loved that class, man. <laughs> I couldn't believe that I failed that class. Like man. an FF FF. I was like stunned, man, because I was a reasonably decent student. I mean, I played football and stuff, but yeah. I was a reasonably decent student, man. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, okay, sure, math, okay, I, C's were good. That was That's I was right. good for a C in math, baby. Except yeah. geometry, geometry was all right. Geometry, Me too. Geometry. I yeah. love geometry. Yeah, it's just shapes. I think because visually, I could just see, you know. <laughs> But man, come on, man! The train leaves Memphis at twelve, and you know what I mean. All that. I saw, oh, no, man, forget it. I'm done. But, um, but you know, like history, I'd get B's and A's and stuff, other stuff that would help make up. But man, I, I was stunned. So, um, what, but, what what school was this? Oh well, this is oh, this is here you go. Now this is a school that doesn't even exist anymore. Good, you burned it down. <laughs> no, no, it was called Lutheran High. Okay, and though and it was Lutheran school, uh-huh. uh, and we were part of the. What were you part of the, uh, oh, because we played schools like Verbum Day. We played Catholic schools a lot, mm. uh, but we were not, right? We were Lutheran because, you know, Martin Luther broke from the Catholic Church. Yeah. And, but in those days, it was on, it was right near Crenshaw and Florence. It was oh. on, on 70th Street and 8th Avenue. Uh, there's a campus still that there now. I don't know what's there now. I think maybe I I lived on on 79th place back in the right? day. Yeah, no kidding. All right. So yeah. so I know that I I remember yeah. in the 80s they had like a gymnastics uh, school. Yeah, but this is the 70s when I went. Right. You know, so yeah. So there was yeah. a school over there. Yeah, there was a school over there. And you didn't want to go to uh, Inglewood High or Crenshaw High? No. Well, it's, it was probably my mom's wish that I sort of better myself i guess right. in some kind of fashion no i would have gone had i had i gone to just regular uh, uh public high school i would have gone to uh, manual arts okay yeah i would have gone to manual because that's that was that was the school closer in, yeah yeah in my area but i went to i went to grade school at 61st street elementary which is still there on figaro and 61st okay. anyway so uh so we went to lutheran high and we were in the lutheran system which and i still see those guys today uh good after all these years although Sad to say, as you get older, a couple yeah. of those guys are no longer with us. Yeah. And so it's like, man, you know. But anyway, so all that to say is that, yeah, that's, so that's where I went to school. So even though you got flunked out of that class, <laughs> you, you didn't give up. I didn't give up. No, so no. I, Okay, so my question is, is what, what made you believe or was there a teacher in your life? Was there a there girl was a, who was just like. No, those, there was a, definitely a couple of teachers who I thought were just, um, I don't know, I just responded to them or. You know, we, we would read like uh, like everybody reads. You know, we read Great Expectations, right? Yes. Dickens, you know, and then we would read... Um, Mrs. Havisham. Mrs. Havisham, oh my God, still to this day. 
and uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, we'd read, you know, Huckleberry Finn, right? Oh, you know, yeah. and, and and Huck and Jim, uh, you know, on the raft and all that stuff. And it, it, let me ask you this about him real quick. <laughs> I had I had always assumed. I guess I read it later in my yeah. life, like college time. Yeah. I just assumed it was a kid's book. Yes. And then right. Jim's real name in that book yeah. kind of shocked me. Yes, right. And right. also just how kind of bad Huck was. Like yeah. he was almost yeah. he was almost a punk rocker. That's right. That's right. And right. I was like, right. damn. I like know. it got me really into Mark Twain because I was like, what a, what an interesting yeah. book yeah, yeah. that they give to children. That they give to the kids. Exactly. Did you like it right away? I did. I did. And I, you know, it's funny as as we speak about this or as we talk about it, and I'm sure I've is been noodling or back in my head for some time the idea that as you said that huck is this real kind of uh, anti-hero yeah you know uh and and so it makes sense then that that would be a kind of link for me to get to you know mystery and crime stories yes uh you know what i mean as a way to then oh yeah so then so of course you have this kind of character this kind of literary character who really does then become a kind of uh, prototype or basis for what is going to come later in terms of like some of the, the crime fiction of you know Dashiell Hammond and all these guys, yeah, uh, and then who are who obviously were also uh, uh, influenced by that as kids when they had to read it in school, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's let's talk about antiheroes for a second. Yeah, yeah. The longest running TV show is The Simpsons, <laughs> and Hilarious. when when it started, right, it was the Bart Simpson show. That's right. The, one right. of the best antiheroes. That's right. That's right. But over time, mm. I feel like it became more of a Homer show. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I guess that's true. You know? And I've fa- fallen off. Man, I used to watch that thing religiously, man. And, I, I and watched it just the other day. Is that right? That's well, crazy. it's the Treehouse of Terror season. Yeah, Treehouse. Oh, that's so you got to watch that's that because right. that's their dark that. episode. Right. And by the way, what year is this for The Simpsons? I think it's a 32nd season. Oh, my God. God, yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, that's nuts. That's nuts. Yeah. But it's because of writers like you. Yeah, well, that's writers like them. Yeah, that's, they they hit their mark. So, yeah. so I love antiheroes right. because we are not. Well, first of all, it goes against all those teachers right. who gave us bad grades right. because we're supposed to set up. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're the professional writer. <laughs> I was taught create a lovable character. Yeah. And then fuck up their life. Mm, yeah. And there then watch them right. over, er, over that's overcome. Right. That's true. That's right? True. Right. Right. Which is still a, 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 a template that's used. Absolutely. The yeah. hero's journey. That's right. The hero's journey. But with an anti-hero, right. you're, I think that's harder writing. Yes. Well, it is and it isn't, right? I mean, because you're right. It's, uh, it's an interesting balance, right? So you think about uh, Ripley in the Highsmith <laughs> books. You know, and Ripley's... Perfectly happy just to murder somebody and <laughs> take over their life and mess with their 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 wife and take their money and mm-hmm. and yet you follow him because he's such a compelling character. Yeah. So it is the it is the uh, the high beam the tightrope I think you walk as a writer where you create a character like that. Is he going to be so reprehensible that the reader will say, "Well, I don't care about yes. this character," right? Or is he going to be just enough where you think? Oh well, this is kind of interesting. And oh, could I be if I weren't if I didn't have to uh, pay the mortgage <laughs> and r- pay my car insurance, right, and get braces on the kids' teeth? Could I be Ripley? Right. right. Yeah. Could I be this guy?
let's transition quickly to comics. Yeah. Are you watching uh, Marvel right now? Yeah. Do you watch uh, Loki and Kang? And- I, w- I watched Loki. I was I started to watch the second season of Loki. Yeah. Uh, and then of course uh, Ant Man. Yes. Uh, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So so I bring it up because there's Kang. We right. finally we've we've got a black character right. in uh, in uh, Marvel who right. isn't um, perfect. Yes. Um, and of course they have to make him bad. But I think through Loki season two. Yeah. He's a more uh, understandable yeah. uh, antagonist. Well, he, has a, he has a point of view. Absolutely, right. that's right. No, right. That, that's the important thing. That the that the the one we perceive or the one we call the villain, uh, if they're just a villain for just the sake of you know villainy, no, yeah. it's not. That is not interesting. But but right. certainly Kang, Doctor Doom, some of these Galactus, even these characters have a point of view. They have a kind or Thanos, I suppose, even that. I mean, he did have a strange and bizarre worldview or <laughs> universe view, yeah. uh, which he which he acted on. Uh, and so I think, yes, absolutely, the more you can... Well, actually, the perfect example, uh, just to go away from a second, but the great example is, and I'm, I'm, it's curious what they did with him in the, in the second um, Black Panther film, is actually the Submariner, is actually Namor. Uh, which was interesting. They they made him uh, uh, Latino, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was very interesting because for for the longest the, the discussion had been because of how Namor was uh, drawn in the comics was was uh, was uh, an Asian actor was going to play him. Oh, so it was kind of interesting. They went away from that and they went to how he is. But even then, they still gave him a, a kind of complexity. I thought was kind of nice uh, in that in the second uh, was it Wakanda Forever? Yeah. How about the Joker? You know the Joker. I don't know. It's hard to see. the Joker though. I think is more villain for villain's sake. It's right. Not, it's unclear to me. I mean, there's a whole other thing. You weren't about, you weren't rooting for him? No, never have. And oddly enough, by the way, I wrote a uh, I co-wrote a novel with a friend of mine, uh, Krista Faust. We uh, we wrote a, a novelization of the Killing Joke, which is a classic. Graphic novel? Yeah, right? from the 80s. From the 80s that Alan Moore They wrote. taught that at our school. Is that right? Yes. I'll be doggone. So then we we got the gig, or she got the gig and brought me on, actually, God bless her, uh, to then we wrote a a prose novel of that graphic novel. The graphic novel, you know, is pretty dang thin. Yeah. I have the original copy, and it's like, I think it's less than 50 pages. Yes. And, of course, it's all about the Joker essentially trying to um, make drive Batman crazy. Right. Right. Uh, and which should not be hard. Which should not. You wouldn't. Th- you would think. By the way, that's true. <laughs> that's actually true. That's actually a good point. I mean, if really you're going to write a Batman story, you would have a Batman story where he just goes ape. Because I mean, yeah. I can, no one person could take as much pressure. You know what I mean? As he puts up. Also, I mean, it's just he's insane. rich. Like, like what? Right. What is his ultimate goal? He's yeah, not right. going to be able to right. k- uh, kill all crime. Apparently not. Apparently not, because it, 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 it keeps coming back in Gotham City. No matter what he does, right? <laughs> night after night after night, no matter he's what he's not really a does. team player. No, he's not. No, no. Oh, well, he's a team player only because it benefits him to try to figure out. Right. right. But you're right. And but night after night, you know, you got the Joker, you got Two Face, you got all these people showing up. You know what I mean? It's like, come on, man. <laughs> yeah. So okay. So in your in your crime novels, how many how many crime novels have you written? Uh, they're not all crime novels, but certainly it's crime in them and their mystery or your crime. I distinguish a crime novel from the point of view of the criminal versus a, uh, mystery, which is usually from the point of view of the protagonist or the, the oh. b- good guy. But uh-huh. generally speaking, yeah, I, I guess I've written about 25. Holy moly. Yeah. How long does it take you on average to write a novel? <sighs> it depends. Um, 
Maybe half a year, maybe six, maybe seven months, something like that. Yeah. Do you have a routine when you're doing this? Do you? Yes. What's uh, your routine? Uh, I try to hit my quota every day. Three pages? No, more like it's 1,200 words, so more like five uh, double space pages. Five good pages. Well, no. I just said you, five, just, double, I just just said knock five out, double space pages. Just knock out five pages. Just knock out five pages. Is the goal. Because then, then the next job, when you go back to it, next day is to go back and read those pages and figure out, oh, why does this suck? So and that's then, part of the routine. Yeah. You have to go back. Uh, yeah. So so I go back and go forward. Go back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you uh, have a writing partner, an editor that you can bounce things off of? Well, like I said, you know, I've, I've co-written. I mentioned Krista with this this novel, uh, the Batman novel that we did, uh, the Killing Joke novel, uh, and I've co-written with some writers, but I I don't really have a writing partner per se. But yes, the idea being that, for instance, this, my last. Uh, mystery novel which came out last year One Shot Harry I've written now the sequel to it and those books are set in the 60s in LA wow and they feature a black crime photographer based by the way not based inspired that's a better word inspired somewhat by a real life Harry Adams who was a uh, freelance photographer here in Los Angeles how about that yeah yeah, yeah. For um, for newspapers for magazines yeah 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 for for like uh, the well the Eagle existed then and the and the, and the Sentinel and uh, these yeah. are black newspapers yeah yeah mm-hmm. it was black uh, photography yeah yeah Sentinel's still around right the Sentinel's still around yeah yeah, yeah. the Eagle is not um, but um, so for those books um, uh, where was I going with this oh yeah so uh, <laughs> uh, so for those books um, they're um, you know, they're set in a very specific time period mm-hmm. uh, and looking at the city at that time period as well, yeah. I would think that just adds a bigger headache. That Now you got to think about, uh, you got to think about what exists and what doesn't exist in right. the 60s. Yeah. Maybe you've got to think about language a little bit too. Absolutely. Um, is that a fun challenge for you? Do you, do you want to? I make, think so. Make I, it harder? I, no, I, no, I don't. I don't think it makes it harder. Tony. I just think it makes it. But you're right. It is more. Um, you have to certainly be on your toes. But you, I think you have to be on your toes. Listen, I have to be on my toes even when I'm writing about LA now because, <laughs> as we've said, neighborhoods have changed. My old neighborhood has changed. Yeah. Places places are different now. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, you go to the San Gabriel Valley or wherever you're going. You you know, if you're going to write about these areas, you probably should have some knowledge of it, or you should be hanging out or talking to people there because you want to capture that you know that mm-hmm. look and that feel. Yeah. Um, because right, things are kind of in flux, and 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 it's also kind of fascinating. You know, all of these places at the you know at the at the edges at the borders between this neighborhood and that neighborhood mm-hmm. also kind of fascinating. So yeah, so all that to say is that uh, setting stuff in the past. I mean, on, on one hand, it's great because you have certain things you, you can just look up and facts you can you can refer to, which is great. Yep. Uh, but yeah, you do want to be careful about certainly you want to be careful about references, and you do want to be careful about. I'm kind of I'm I'm um, careful not to use a, a lot of slang because of course one it'll just sound like parody yep. and then and then invariably you know you'll get something wrong so you you know you kind of walk that line you want just enough that it sounds like it's that time period but mm-hmm. not you don't want to go over, over the top with it. Well, I would also think for for crime because if it's if it's mystery and you're trying to as a reader figure out yeah who did it. You you can't have clues that don't exist in that time. Right. You can't. Have and you can't have techniques that don't exist in that time. Right. Right. And and so like phones ringing right. happen. There's no answering machines in the '60s. Like right. details like that right. have got to drive you a little bit crazy, right? No, or is not, it or is that fun? 
I think it's fun, and, and then you know, and because the, the great thing is, there's plenty of old movies that you can look at and see uh, if you get kind of lose your way, you know, yeah. uh, that you can kind of check out. But, and, but although even even then, sometimes there's surprising things that show up. It's funny you should say uh, about the answering service because sure enough, in the late '50s, there's a great uh, little noir film uh, shot here in L.A. called "Kiss Me Deadly." Mm-hmm. And uh, the old Bunker Hill is in it and all this sort of stuff. And sure enough, uh, uh, the character, Mike Hammer, which is the Mike Hammer from the books, but they, they transplanted him here to L.A. Mm-hmm. and made him a sleazy kind of uh, blackmailing private eye, which is great. Uh, <laughs> he, we, there's a scene, a couple of scenes where he goes to his office. He has this big old tape, you know, reel-to-reel tape machine built into the wall, which is his answering service. Oh. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Which actually did exist even then. They were able to somehow jerry-rig the old-fashioned phones to record? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. How about that? Okay. Let's talk more about bad people. Sure. (laughs) My favorite anti-hero is probably uh, Satan in Paradise Lost. Okay. There we go. Um... Is that why you write these? Do you write it for because uh, bad characters, we'll call them bad, yeah. are fun or because you want the hero to be even smarter and even more interesting? Well, of course. I mean, I think I think it's both those things because you're right. Other, uh, but the perfect example is what we were just talking about in terms of Marvel Comics and Kang and, and uh, Doctor Doom or whoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, whoever. Uh, you're right. If the villain isn't First of all, the villain, right, we want the villain to have a kind of point of view. Yep. Even the Joker, I suppose, has a point of view about whatever the heck it is. I guess he's like <laughs> the agent of chaos, right? Yeah. Um, but you're right, the villain has to have uh, a certain kind of power, yep. and it has to have a certain kind of intelligence, because otherwise, yeah, it's not. It's, it's, there's no challenge then for the hero. And, and, and maybe he would have been, he been caught already or dead already. That's right, exactly right. That's right, that's right. Uh, so yeah, I think I think, uh, and and there's degrees. I mean, uh, you know, we were I had mentioned Ripley. I was also thinking there's a great series by uh, he's passed on now. It was a guy named Donald Westlake. And he wrote a series of books about a uh, professional thief named Parker, and Parker's the the our main character in uh-huh. these books. But he's a very he's an amoral character in an amoral world, right? And he doesn't have any particular qualms about killing somebody if they're in his way or if they've crossed him, right? Yeah. Now, generally speaking, he doesn't go after civilians, but if you enter his world, then, okay, now that's fair game. Yeah. Uh, and, and, but the character, and, and there's almost no uh, interior uh, kinds of uh, 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 portrait or landscape is, is revealed about the character. He's mostly revealed through his uh, physical actions, although occasionally... Westlake would stop and, and talk about something in Parker's head, but not a lot. Hmm. And so there's a kind of like kind of this minimalist, uh, existentialist character, but is purely defined because of what he does. And anyway, all that to say is that those are, I think, just a great uh, kind of portrait of, of this kind of character uh, and, and the idea that over a series of books, you stayed with this character because he was so interesting and because then, of course, the kinds of heists because he was always about stealing <laughs> mm-hmm. the kinds of heists he got involved with and, and the mechanics of it pulling it off and the people involved always made it kind of a very compelling read yeah yeah uh what's your favorite type of heist 
Well, that's a great question, man. Uh, as fact, I'm I'm ruminating now on a on a high. I've written a couple of heist kinds of novels, but I'm I'm really ruminating on a kind of a big heist novel now that I want to tell, and it would be set in modern day. And it's just it's back to your earlier point about, and in modern day, man, because we've got you know motion sensors, and we got uh, you got robot dogs, and we got <laughs> you know we got cameras hidden everywhere. Yeah, and so the idea that you can steal something makes it even harder right mm-hmm. uh so that you have to do a certain amount of technical um uh, research uh to pull these things off mm-hmm. uh, but i think that's a great kind of challenge uh <laughs> and and because in the end no matter how far we get with the technology at least at this moment uh human beings are still human beings so it gets down to who can you trust right uh, who's going to be on your side and who's going to betray you yes <laughs> so so maybe the the current day crook has to be the best crook. Yes, that's right. Correct. And so maybe that's why these that's right. these young people are doing group team heists at these malls. That's interesting. That's actually kind of interesting. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's like, well, they can't catch us all. Although the January 6th people thought that too. They thought that too. That's right. It sounds like they've that's caught right. them all. And, <laughs> and somewhere between, you're right, the, the, the sort of... Uh, uh, flood of these of these of these folks coming into yeah you know like into the um uh, uh the high-end places and and yeah you know taking stuff uh and i guess the whole sort of weird cryptocurrency oh yeah you know cons that seem to be seem to be going on yeah you know as we speak i mean it just i just find fascinating you just kind of yeah and what well i guess people fall into it for different reasons let's go know. back to stealing from malls all right there we go um, I would, I, I see so many mistakes that they're making. Right. First of all, they're not covering their entire bodies. So we can tell if they're white or black. Very good. I don't know about you, but I'm always rooting they're not black. I see. Are you, are you yeah, on that boat yeah, too? Yeah, yeah. You're like, please don't be. And often they're not, which is re- refreshing. <laughs> um, but they also take too long. I feel like yeah, sometimes, yeah, yeah. like there was a jewelry heist, I think in a Glendale or something where the. The, the owner just came out and started shooting people. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which was wow. good for him. I yeah, mean, you have a yeah, jewelry wow. store, you ought to have a rifle yeah. or a shotgun or something. Wow. And um, and a lot of the people dropped their bags. And I was yeah. like, don't drop the bag. Come on, man. You're there for one. You're well, going to get but, shot and not have the diamonds? But see, but it goes, see, it goes to the thing. See, in a Parker novel, they would be disciplined. In a Parker novel, oh. right, you would be you would be timing it. You would be, you, you're right, you would go in. Well, actually, the parking lot, all that would go on. That's the distraction while Parker's really ripping off whatever it is he really means to rip Across off. the street. Across the street. Exactly right. That's right. Actually, oh. by the way, that we talk, that's great. That's a great plot. That's a good idea, right? So, you, so you hire... The, you send the crew... Yes, yeah, right. Hire some, some low-level guys. That's right. That's right. To go in and do this kind of smash to, and grab. To right? mess it to all up. Smash and grab. Mess it all up while you then pull off the real robbery. We and maybe that. not across the street. Maybe, maybe next yeah, neighborhood over. Yeah, maybe down the block. Exactly. That's right. That's right. There we go. You know... <laughs> I, I guess I just have a dark heart. There we go. That's it. There we I go. mean, I, I want to be a loving man. That's I right. want to interview yeah. the nice people of yeah. L.A. There you go. But deep down, I'm just always trying to figure out. Be, because to me, it's still a great challenge. Yeah. How do you rob a place that's built not to be robbed? That's right. That's right. You know, that's right. challenge accepted, as the kids say. That's right. There you right? Go. That's right. And okay. so I. I well, that's at the, and, that, and you're right. And see, that lies at the, at the heart of the heist uh, story. Yes. That's right. How do you rob? It's easy to 
Right. It's easy to go in and smash and grab because it's just busting up glass and taking things and running out. Right. It is if the it's but it is the high tech vault. It is the high tech yes. bunker. It, whatever the heck that is, it is taking that the, down. The, that that is the, the, the Brinks truck. That's right. The Brinks that gets, truck that gets robbed once right. in a while. That's right. Exactly. Good for them, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So let's let's switch sides a little bit. All right. The cops. Yes. In comic books, the cops are good hearted people. Generally. Who, Although comics have changed, but yes. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and and I haven't read a whole bunch of right, them, right. so I don't know. But I'm coming from this ignorant point of view, where the 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 cops or even the, the, the sheriffs of the old days in the westerns mm-hmm. were good-hearted people who just want to protect their little community and rid the place of crime. Right. The more news I read about actual cops, the fewer of these actual heroes I see mm-hmm. out there. And I sure as hell don't see them ascending to being the captains of of their uh, divisions mm. or the chief of police. Mm. Is that how you look at things too? Well, I think it, I think there's all these interesting nuances or maybe not even degrees. That's the better word. There's sort of degrees of corruption. There's degrees of then how the job has changed them. There's a, there was a great piece in the LA Times, maybe this is, but this is some years ago, but I remember this it was a great piece and it talked about folks who started out idealistic, yep, um, driven to do good as a cop, and then after years of you know seeing people at the worst and seeing this horrific thing and that horrific thing, hanging out with your fellow officers in the bar, you know, uh, 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 hoisting a few, et cetera, et cetera, <laughs> you started to change. Yes, right. You're you you started to become more jaded. You started to become more cynical. Yeah. You started to, to, all that kind of idealism got sort of, it may still be there, but it got sort of rubbed raw. It got some, mm-hmm. of, some, of, those, some of those edges got, you know, planed down, and now they're kind of smoothed over, and all that sort of stuff happens to you. And how does it not happen to you, right, on mm-hmm. any given job? I mean, you know, God knows people who, uh, you know, doctors and nurses who deal in the emergency room, you know, uh, you see gunshot victims and, and just other horrible things that w- of what human beings do to one another. That's right. How do you then keep um, a view of uh, humanity that isn't all dour and isn't all uh, doom and gloom? So, I, so you know, so I, all that to say is that I think the more uh, uh, what's the, what's the term that people talk about when they talk about cops? Just the cop agenda, right? As you said, like the, mm-hmm. you know, the cops are this and that and and bright and gleaming thing, but I think the more you can show all of us as more uh, flawed and susceptible to uh, the foibles that that we as humans are susceptible to, I think the better for it uh, so that that, uh, if in a case like a George Floyd, uh, the the cops who are standing around don't just stand around, but in fact one of them tries to stop right this, this 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 murder this thing from happening yes. now that's now there's a story now that's that's something yes. to be said but that also means that person knows that they're going to be ostracized right? that's right they're going to not be part of the club anymore yeah. yeah and and this is a club that they're never going to get paid higher than this ever right they're right. never going to have um uh immunity ever again yeah. where they could kill somebody and get away with it <laughs> yeah. they're never going to have this kind of power right um and a brotherhood, yeah, for better or worse. For better or worse, that's they right. They do yeah. not rat each other out. That's right. Generally speaking, that's right. And that's so, right. once you have crossed the line, and you're like no longer as idealistic as you as you are yeah. anymore, where where do you go? What do you do? Are you going to be a, a 
cop at a school? No. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Are you going right. to be Rihanna's bodyguard? <laughs> probably not. <laughs> Maybe, 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 but you're right. Probably maybe not. she doesn't want cops. That's right. That's Joe right. Biden's dog bites the, the the Secret Service. He doesn't like cops either. Hilarious. And so it's like you're almost painted into a corner after a that's few years, that's right. wouldn't you that's say? Right. Well, yeah. I mean that, but that's that's the that what that's what cops have talked about. I mean, listen, one of the he's a great writer. And I, I've met him uh, a time or two. He's a really lovely fellow, uh, uh, Joseph Wamba, right? Who'd been a cop, and then who who starts to write these stories. But his stories, at least at that time period were so different than the than the dragnet and the Adam 12 thing. Uh-huh. And he talked about cops who were drunk, <laughs> cops who woke up with a hangover and couldn't remember where their gun was, <laughs> or cops who were racist and cops who were brutal. Uh-huh. And so and so really, I mean, it was really revelatory at the time. I mean, those kinds of stories, the choir boys, the stuff that he was writing, yeah. I mean, it was just kind of amazing, man. I mean, it just because it really, it, it started to show you that um, that shift on the, on the literary landscape uh, of how, Heretofore, how cops have been portrayed, and now there was this shift, and it was, and it couldn't be questioned, or it could be questioned, but it, but it was harder to question it because it was from somebody who knew what they were talking about. Yes, it wasn't from an outsider. It wasn't from just some guy observing it. No, this is a guy who would actually, uh, you know, put on the put on that dark blue uniform and walk those streets. Yes. Yeah. Is there anything worse in South Central than a bad black cop? Are you are you are you trying to refer to the old Richard Pryor joke where uh, black cops have to do more shit to keep their job? Is that what you're saying? Is that what you're saying, Tony? I, I love Richard Pryor, yeah. but I don't remember that joke. Uh, yeah, it's an old joke. Uh, it was an old. Yeah, I, and I, probably the reason I know it because it was that summer. That was the second comedy album, by the way. Uh-huh. But it was for the worst, first one for Laugh Records, and, and there's a whole other story you should probably do one time about Laugh Records, right? Which was this white owned. Uh, record company that recorded black comedians. Oh All right. wow! But, okay. And they had a they had their pressing they had their office in a pressing plant right there on Jefferson. Oh wow! Anyway, uh, um, but but I know that album so well because <laughs> that summer, God, oh my God, to really date myself, that must have been the summer of seventy one then because we go back because those of us on the football team had to go back a month early uh-huh. and start practice. Right? We had and we had uh, two practices a day. Uh-huh. Lord Almighty. Uh, in, in, in the summer of L.A. In the summer of L.A., baby. Where, where I hear there was a lot of smog back then. <laughs> There's a lot of smog now. But, yes, there was a lot of smog then. But, yeah, yeah whatever. You know, that's okay. Just take a salt but, tablet. But I th- I th- You'll be all right. Take a salt? Tablet. You know, when you're, when you're sweating, smog. That whatever. helps take, you? No, it doesn't. No. No, of course not, Tony. They tell us this. Of course, it was not going to help okay, you. Again, you're, you're, you're breathing in smog. No, because, because, because I did not grow up here, and oh, I, I hear see. these tales. Oh, I, I heard see. that the kids were told they couldn't even go to research or, or uh, re, uh, recess some some afternoons because yeah, well, the smog was so bad. Maybe the kids couldn't, but we did. <laughs> but anyway, you're but, still out there hustling. There's a lot there hustling. Uh, so back to the prior album, though. Yes, it was uh, because I, I know this album so well because that summer the the, the record came out. All of us black guys on the team got it, or either got it or went over some our buddy's house and heard it and played that thing to death. And we knew all the routines, man. So that summer we come back, you know, start football practice early, and we're in the locker rooms afterward, and we're just riffing on it, right? We're just talking on it. And all our white teamers are like looking at us like, what are these guys talking about? What yes. are they going on about, man? So anyway, all so so wait, so back down to your other question. Yes. Uh, well, is it right? So that, but it gets us back to that that notion of you go into the department wanting to make a change. Yeah. I'm gonna be the I'm gonna I'm gonna be the black guy who's gonna help you know 
uh, even things out. I'm a patrol in, in the in in the hood that I grew up in, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. And to some extent, I think some folks kind of maintain a a kind of equilibrium. Yep. But other people, yeah, sure, they they fall they fall. Uh, was it um, behind or on on that side of the of the thin blue line mm-hmm. uh, where then they you know their whole thing is uh, you know a cop is a cop is a cop. Yep. That guy, I can't remember his name now, man. And he when Trump was in office, there was this. I think he. I think he was a sheriff. He was a black guy from like somewhere. Wisconsin. In, that's the guy, right? And he had yeah. the cowboy hat. Yep. And he had a ton of made up uh, medals on his chest. It was like insane, <laughs> yes. man. He came out with these. I mean, he had like yeah. more than General Patton. He just had like you know a rose of. <laughs> who, I forget that guy's name. I want to say Richard Clark, but I, I could be close. wrong. Uh, you might be right about that. And by the way, whatever happened to him? It, and, and what a cartoon character! I know. <laughs> Remember, because he was going to run for office at some point, and then oh no, and then Trump at some point was going to appoint him something, right. right? And everybody was like, "No, man, you can't. Even you can't be this stupid. You can't put this fool in office. You couldn't man. put this in a novel. You can't put this novel. You, right? You would be over the top. You right. say, oh, this is insane, man. Take that out. That, that's crazy. <laughs> anyway, so there you go. Right? And, and and it was Clark who talked about the the thin. No, no. Uh, Blue lives matter. Yes. Blue lives matter. Blue lives right. Matter. Blue lives matter. When everybody's talking about Black Lives Matter, that's right. He goes Blue Lives Matter. Blue Lives Matter. Right. So, okay, in your in your novels, though, yeah. if you're gonna if you're gonna set it, do you ever set him in South Central? Yes. Wouldn't that be a great villain, the black cop who is because there's well, two there's two but, kinds of black cops to me in the hood. Yeah, they're the ones that want to make it a safer that's right. place. That's right. Good for them. That's right. But then there's the ones who have turned in some way yeah. or have an agenda or were never. Right. On the football team, never got the girl, right, all that, right, right? Right. Well, I'll say this. Or is that too easy to write? Uh, to your that's there. There you go. You you can't make that character um, one dimensional. You cannot make him just your sounding board for your frustrations, <laughs> and, 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 and right, and, right, and 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 your desires to you know portray this person in a bad light. Yeah. You have to make that person dimensional. So yes. you so it it is incumbent upon you as a writer if you're going to have that kind of character. Yeah, I want to make him as interesting as I can possibly make him, as dimensional as I can make him. Yeah, and and, and so that we have at least we might despise him, right? But at least we understand where he at least is coming from. What is what has driven him to the point when we meet him? What has driven him to this point? Mm-hmm. What has happened to this character mm-hmm. that now he is he is this person? Because you're right. I mean, listen, it is so easy to take you know somebody somebody like Clarence Thomas or at least the way certainly the way we might perceive Clarence Thomas, right. And put a blue uniform on him, and then you say, well, this is just some self hating fool that you just got running around you know beating black folks in the head, right? Which so on the surface you could have that, but then you are then called upon to I think then provide. Um, you know, what is the background of that character? What is what yeah. is behind this this seemingly cardboard cutout figure? Yes, uh, and that has made this person this way. You know, I'm so glad you brought up Clarence because I, I I try to rid him from my my mind. <laughs> but what I've what I've because I'm trying to figure that out too. Right. When you have a lifetime appointment, yes, you can be yourself. right? That's right. You would think. That's right. Well, but but maybe he is himself, right? Maybe this is who he is. This maybe this is who and, he and, is. And he, so he got all those uh, uh, trips, trips from uh, yeah from yeah. Uh, what was the guy's name Harlan Crow? Yeah, from Harlan Crow, and which by the way you can't a better name for a villain than Harlan Crow. 
and 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 apparently other trips, right? That he's yeah. taken and, and and he hangs out and he, he's just having a grand old time. The world is his. The world is his, baby. The world and is so, his. is that the motivation? Where it's it's a freedom. The, the, the doors are unlocked that have never been open for you before. Yeah. All you got to do is sell out your entire race <laughs> and, pull the, and the Constitution. And, and the Constitution. That's and, all you got to do. That's right, and pull the ladder up behind you. But but I also <laughs> I also heard a theory that there are some black folk who will do anything for the white man's approval. Yeah. And that that's their... their, well, their that's, but that's just an odd psychological thing, right? I mean, or not odd, but that this is just a psychological condition that's very hard to explain, right? But, oh, but how's but, Negro feel, Negro, I guess. Yeah. Right, um, it, but that explains a lot of these black Republican... Uh, I would think senators so. and representatives. But, not that there's many of them. Not that there's many of them, but I, you know. But but why would Tim Scott do this? Right. Why would Tim Scott? Why, right, why exactly. would? Right. But but Tim, I can understand. Justice Clarence Thomas. <laughs> first of all, he's old now. Yeah. So it's okay, man. Yeah. yeah. Like, do the right thing now. What are they going to do? I don't. But I don't. You're right, Tony. But if he ever had any notion of that, it's long gone. It's over, huh? Right. It's over. For some people, they'll they'll never change. I guess I'm still an idealistic kid in in college. Right. Huh. There you go. Okay. Let's talk about this TV show that you wrote. Yeah, I worked on. Yeah. You were in a writing room. Yes. I, I I think, I guess there just hasn't been enough TV shows about writing rooms. So, because I fantasize about this place. I fantasize that there are these kind of like soulless big rooms, nothing like this, <laughs> where everybody's like ordering pizza and smoking pot. There we go. There throwing we go. darts against the wall. And then finally like, oh crap, can we write a scene before we go home today? That is not what Snowfall's writing room was. No, it wasn't. Although, Correct. Although, although that would have been lovely, but um, <laughs> but it, it was, or they weren't even like they it wasn't even like um, the old you know the old Dick Van Dyke show was that was a writers' room. Oh, that's right. right. I was I was with Maury Amsterdam, Maury Amsterdam, and, and Sally, and I mean uh, Rosemary is Sally. Rosemary, th- they yeah. were the three writers for the Alan Brady show. Right. Yes. And, so, and they all they sat around riffing and joking and 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 fooling around, but they were all cognizant of the that's, scene they had to get. That's to. what yeah. I. W- yeah. Isn't that what we want? Yeah. We want two Jewish people from the Borch Belt. That's it. That's one right. one more sassy than the next. There you go. That's it. Who's writing about right. the straightest white guy there is? That's it. There you go. It's <laughs> perfect. When to some extent that was TV. Um, no, our room was great. I mean, we had a great showrunner. He was very even tempered. Which I, believe me. I can't imagine trying to run run her and on <laughs> writers in general and the writers we had. Um, but it is true that we sp- we spent a lot, a lot of time. I mean, we, we, we would start from a broad, you know, like, you know, we know we got 10, 10 episodes to do a season. Okay. And we know we kind of want to start over here and we want to end up here. Right. Okay. So, we, and, you know, and our showrunner's job is to help tentpole that and do this. Yeah. And, and along with our, you know, executive, our producers. And uh, and so we had very schematic sense of where we wanted to wind up, and in the context of that, though, then you got to you know dope out uh, all these different episodes, yeah, and uh, and a whole lot of ideas. Not only not a whole lot of ideas got spun, 
a whole lot of ideas actually made it to the cards and went up on the board uh-huh. and then came down from the board. You know what I mean? And, you know, and start all over and yeah. break the story in a different way and, and go back at it in a, in a different fashion. Yeah. I found it very exhilarating. Uh, I think after, I mean, I had some sense of what a writer's room was like prior to actually working in a writer's room. I, mm-hmm. Over the period of time, I've had uh, some of my, in fact, my first novel was optioned and had some of my stuff so I've had a little forays into Hollywood, but it was certainly my first time as an actual, you know, writer, staff writer on yeah. on a show, a show that had already been established, mm-hmm. and uh, and because we were a show set in the '80s, um, a lot of stuff that I knew about the '80s, and and uh, one of our other writers, Walter Mosley, who's also in the room, Walter and I are of a certain age, so we we brought that to the table, yeah, along with hopefully our chops, but the idea that, um, the I but the idea that really in the end, man, as the, as our showrunner. Uh, Dave Andron will talk about, you know, the island of lost pitches. God knows, Tony, we, <laughs> man, ooh, baby, you know, there are days, man, we just had, I mean, we had doped out some great stuff, and it was really good stuff. Uh-huh. But then because we had to do, because that was going to happen in episode two, we also knew in episode five, some, this had to happen, so therefore then it, 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 it pulled the plug on what we wanted oh, to do in episode two. Interesting. And so then you got to, you know, you got to work backward and, and retcon stuff and yeah. and reimagine it and reconfigure it. But anyway, all that to say is it's really, I found it a very exhilarating uh, experience. Uh, Conan O'Brien has a great podcast where he talks a, a lot about writing for The Simpsons. Yeah. And he said once the, the pitch is approved, there's usually just one writer that has to write the entire episode. Is that how it was for, for this too? No. Not yes and no. Yes, th- once the once the once we doped out the uh, broad strokes of what the episode was, and our 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 uh, structure was a teaser and four acts. Okay. Uh, once we kind of had in a very broad sense what the skeleton of that was, either Dave would assign a writer or two writers, and you'd go away, <clears throat> and then you right, and then you. You uh, essentially take that outline and, and put it down on paper mm-hmm. and, and flesh it out somewhat. And maybe you make some changes or maybe you talk with Dave uh, as you're working on it. And you come back to the room and then we would go over the outline page, line by line, page by page. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and so the whole room is able to chime in. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, okay. and did. Yeah. Yeah. And so then once you got those notes. You might go back. You you then go away again, or the team of you go away again, and you then write that episode or do a draft of that episode, mm-hmm. and then and we would beat that up too. So when and you, it's a fairly fast process. I mean, it, it's somewhat assembly line. It's assembly line to get us to there, but then yes, one or two people go away and, and sort of make it happen. When you say go away for a night, for two nights, it could be. You know, you could go back to your office and work, or you guys work together in your office, or. Uh, mm-hmm. You go home and write, or you stay home and write. But uh, but it, you don't get a week to do this. You've got a couple yeah, days. Yeah, no, you 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 have a roughly. You do have a week. Roughly, oh, you do. No, you do. It okay. wasn't because we started so far far enough out that we understood. Well, we also understood that eventually, of course, what's going to happen is as we're doping out eight, nine, and ten, we're already shooting one, two, and three. Right. Right. Uh, so we understood that. So there, so there's there is some up. You know, there's a pressure of course to be on time and timely yes uh so hopefully you don't you know go out hiking and fall down the mountain <laughs> side and break your hip because uh, maybe you can you can still write because you only broke your hip you didn't break your arm your, your hands so uh but yeah so so the idea is that that once 
once the wheel is in motion, baby, that wheel is in motion. Yes. I guess the assembly line, once the assembly line is in motion, the assembly line is in motion. Because now everything else is dependent upon getting the script ready to get it to uh, our actors, uh, who are invariably, by the way, going to make their own changes. They are? Yeah. They improvise a little bit? They improvise a lot. A lot? Well, I say that as somebody who was a little pissed about some lines of mine that got changed. Yes. Yes. But you, what are you going to do? The actors, between the actors and the director, they wanted to do it, so you can't. That's you, right. Yeah, go away. Just don't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, in this strike, we've shown how Hollywood feels about writers. There we go. That's it. That's well, it. and also the press. The press don't usually, if there's a writer and there's talent next to each other in the, the, yeah, the, the well, picket sure. line, yeah, yeah. who gets the camera time? Who gets the camera time? Sure. Right. But there are some writers who have risen you know, to that level, but that's, that's right. right. That, but generally speaking, you're absolutely right. That's right. I don't see a lot of religious things in this house. Uh, Are you a spiritual man? Well, yes. I'm getting closer to the grave. Yes. I mean, yes. If you, if you this is why I you, ask. If you press me on it, yes, Tony. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just had a friend of mine. I mean, we. I'm not naming names, but he and I. You know, we we play football together. We go back a long way, uh-huh. and he just had. Uh, triple bypass surgery. So yes, yeah, man. I visited him. And I, suddenly he believes. Suddenly he believes. We all believe. Yes. Ooh la la. This is why I ask. Yeah. Whenever I write something good, yeah, I'm like Tony. You know you didn't write that. <laughs> that came from somewhere else. <laughs> That's great. You know you didn't. That's I mean great. that is just too good of a line, right? That's great. That's great. Do you great. ever feel that way? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Do Do you give it up to God, the spirit, something? Something or or. You know, there's some combination, right, of, you know, whatever it is is rattling around in the back of our heads, right, and uh-huh. all that sensory input from all these years and however that gets reshaped and reconfigured. Yeah. Uh, but, I, but yes, I, there must be something that we tap now and then, Tony, for the, you know, the divine inspiration or the, or the, uh, the chakras or whatever the heck it is aligned or yeah. some, something happens that, yes, occasionally, occasionally the, 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 thing that you start you you set out to write is better than what you thought it was going to be yes so it must be something that that has helped us to get there right yeah i had a teacher who said it's kind of like a radio dial an old-fashioned radio dial. the the poor kids they can't they can't relate they can't that's right have no idea what you're talking about but it's a radio dial as you're driving that's right so you're constantly having to adjust it that's right and it's that's rarely great. ever right. fully, fully in. Fully there, that's right. Like you that's hear right. it, yeah. you're like, ooh, what is that exactly. out there? That's right. That's great. And <laughs> you have to you have to be constant you you have to allow yourself to know that you still have to tune that's that right. thing. You have to tune it. That's right. Exactly. So, that's great. That's so great he metaphor. was trying to teach us not to smoke weed yeah. while we're trying to write. That's hilarious. And half of us are like, dude, where do you think my radio dial that is? It is, exactly. That's right. <laughs> Perfect. Do you have a, an opinion on uh, drinking any of that kind of stuff? Too? Yeah, I do. Uh, I, I, yeah, I. Uh, yeah, don't you can't. I, I cannot drink and write. I'll just put ah, it that way. I, no, okay. I can't drink and write. I can. I, I no, and no, I can't even drink and edit. So, oh. well, that's not true. I, I'll have a beer sometimes when I'm editing. I, I right. will do that, but I'm not going to drink hard liquor, and I certainly won't drink when I'm writing. No. Interesting. No. Uh-uh, no. Uh, he also talked about. Um, he hated he hated uh, Walkmans and all that stuff. Oh, that's interesting. And he was like, "If you really want good ideas, just take a long walk with alone." Yeah. Because he said, when your brain is just stewing yeah. with no uh, distractions, yeah. sometimes that's where the good stuff seeps in. Well, I'm the opposite because you know I uh, 
I write with the radio on. I'm not listening to music though. I'm, I'm actually listening. To, well, that's not quite true. I, sometimes I have a morning becomes eclectic on, uh-huh. but invariably I'll have like um, what do they call it now? What's the station now called? LAS, which used to be how about KPCC. that? And and it just has talk radio going. So Larry Mantle is your co-writer. Larry Mantle is my co-writer. Yes, my co. <laughs> yeah, run, yeah co- run with me, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> sit on my shoulder, Larry. Uh, <laughs> But it's white noise. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. It's, just, it's just white. Because my, my wife will actually come in because my office is in our bedroom. My wife will come in and say, what are they just talking about? I, have, I don't know. I have no idea what they're talking about. It's just background noise to me. So you just need something, I over, just need there something over there to distract need... the, bad, no. the bad angel telling you that you no, suck? Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what it is. It's, it's distracting the bad angel. I, uh, maybe that's right. Maybe yeah. right about that. Let's shift gears one more time. Sure, man. You grew up in South Central in the 70s. Yes. Well, 60s and 70s, yes. 60s and 70s. Yeah. Was it, um, has there been a movie made that perfectly captures your experience of that, that we could, we should be revisiting? No. Or or are you going to make that movie? Maybe I'll make that movie one day, or maybe I'll write that book one day. Okay. Uh, Certainly there's been, you know, Obviously, you know, Boys in the Hood, of course, we can point to. But I yeah. even I thought, I even thought uh, John's uh, Baby Boy, in a certain way, uh-huh. didn't really capture that period of his period was, you know, um, much um, like later, much later than me. Yeah. But the idea, but you're right, because I was this, you know, fat Albert of a kid. Oh, were you? Yeah, with my, my, my Coke bottle glasses <laughs> and... A, you know, a nerd before that was a, a name for it. Before it was cool. Before it was cool uh, with my little cardboard uh, uh, attache case. How about that? I think I got it from, I think my dad got it from me from Sears <laughs> with my comic books in them, you know, uh, hanging out. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, so, so yeah, and certainly there's been black nerds and stuff, but, but that kid in that time period reading those Marvel comics from the 60s, which is very specific, right? Yeah. Uh, yes, I would like to capture that at some point. Maybe maybe the, in the graphic novel, yeah. Uh, w- were there gangs back then sure. over there? Yeah, this is the period of time where it was the uh, Slossons, the businessmen, the Dell Vikings, uh, who then uh, uh, give way to, I suppose, in a certain way, you know, yeah, I guess they give way to the Crips and Bloods. The Crips and Bloods don't show up until I'm in high school. Right. Yeah. Well, well, you, you, I would think a, a big a big man would be a perfect target for the gangs to want to recruit. Did they try to recruit you? No, not really. Because again, I think because I went to this Lutheran school and I was a football player by then. I you know I'd gotten some size and this and that. Yeah. And uh, no, I got I got left alone a lot. Really. Yeah. Were, were you a linebacker? Were you? A, a... I, I was. Believe it or not, I was. I was a de- defensive tackle. I mean, you'd have to be taller now to be defensive right. tackle, but. But in those days, well, now I'd be a linebacker, yes. But yeah, in those days, I was a defensive tackle. Yeah. Did you get a lot of sacks? I did. I did. I made. I got my one. You know, my my championship season or the two trophies I had from that year. How about that? <laughs> you got some sacks. I got some sacks. Got some sacks. Were these uh were, were these black quarterbacks, white quarterbacks, white quarterbacks? We were playing Catholic schools. Come on, so come, on. A, Tony, was, come on, Tony. Come on. I'm I'm only here to ask questions. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> I'm not assuming anything. Right. I mean, I'm I'm I assumed that it was safe in the '60s in South LA. Was that 
crazy. To I me? think it was. I think it was just. It was different. I mean, uh, I've often mentioned this, where um, you know, it's very. I mean, it's still very working class, but it was really working class, at least in my 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 neighborhood, my block, right? Yeah. My dad was a teamster. My mom was a librarian for the city. Mm. Um, Mr. Guy at the end of the block worked for the railroad. Mr. Caldwell next door to us, he worked for the gas company. Miss Lewis was a teacher for the city. You know, so yeah. these are just, and, and this just seemed to me, because these are all folks that, you know, like my folks who just, you know, came from the South, eventually wound up going West. Yep. Uh, and it just all, it just seemed natural to me that, that you would work for a union or you would be in a union or you would be in some kind of organized labor kind of uh, confederation because the other people, the people I knew were in one or in some kind of, you know, formation. It, it also paid well enough that all these That's people right. probably own their houses, That's right? right? That's exactly right. That's exactly which, right. Which That's to right. me is, again, I feel bad for the kids right. because you can't be a teacher anymore and, nope. and, and afford a house. No. You can't do any of those jobs no, that you, those you jobs. just mentioned. That's right. That's right. Which is why we sell drugs on the side. <laughs> <laughs> but, but really, like the middle class, the, the middle class that you grew up in is gone. Yeah. Most of the people who, who live in South Central today don't own those Tony, houses. My dad had a sixth grade education. He's a poor boy from a little town in Texas, man. But because he had a, well, him and his brothers found out they could, well, they tore up the car first and then they built, built it back, to put it back together. So they figured out, oh, you know, <laughs> we can do this job and not be here on the farm because this, this, we ain't, nope. And he took the first thing smoking and left that town, baby. <laughs> Yeah, buddy. Tell me, tell me something else that was going on uh, in your high school uh, years in South LA. What, what don't I know? What, what, what hasn't made it to screen or oh, you the books? Oh, that's a great question. That's a really great question. Well, you know, I guess what hasn't made it to screen, or, or maybe it has made it in, a, in some fashion, but really is. And it's funny. I was mentioning my buddy just had the, the, the heart surgery, and he, he and I were talking about this, and he and I, I think, have put. Some, he's also a writer. We put some of this uh, in various bits and pieces. I think the idea, I mentioned to you that the school, Lutheran High in those days, as I said, was near uh, Crenshaw and Florence. Yeah. And, but we were, we were the big, first big influx of black, mostly black kids, a couple of uh, Mexican-American kids, but mostly black kids into the Lutheran schools. Mm. You have to, this is the, so this is the kind of interesting thing to think about. So we were kind of like this weird kind of crossroads where white kids from like Hawthorne, uh, uh, San Fernando Valley, uh, uh, was West Hills even a place then? I don't even know West Hills even existed right. then, right? But like uh, uh, Carson existed then. So Carson, uh, Hawthorne, um, uh, like I said, uh, the Valley. This was their this this was the only Lutheran High. This was the they came from all these places to oh. go to this school, oh. right? And but they came from places I at that point hadn't been to. I, I <laughs> haven't been to the I, only time I went the first time I go to the Valley is to go play a football game, right? <laughs> uh, uh, so uh, in fact, I guess it was against Harvard Westlake. I think it was okay. Harvard in those days. I don't even think it was Harvard yeah. Westlake in those days. Um, and here we are, these kids from the inner city. Yeah. Uh, and so there was clashes and there was friction, uh, but there was also kind of this interesting, you know, not that sports is always a great leveler, but in our case, I think it was. Yeah. The white guys we played with on, on the on the team, we got to be, you know, bond of a certain kind of certain kind of way. 
We got invited to their parties, you know. Good. And uh, and we had teachers who, even though we were the Missouri, Missouri Synod, which is a very conservative, I mean, all Lutherans, I guess, are conservative, but the, the, the very conservative part of the Lutheran church, uh, we had young teachers who themselves had been influenced now by the civil rights movement, the anti-war movement, yeah. women's movement. And so they brought their fresh perspectives and their ideas uh, to the table. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I would like to capture that. It would be great to kind of just bring that in some form, right? Whether it's yeah. a movie or it's in a book or something or a graphic novel. Uh, because I think it was a kind of interesting confluence of all these factors that came together. And I really, I really, I just, I had a, mm-hmm. by and large, I had a great experience in high school. Well, I, I think that's one of the problems I have with uh, entertainment is these nuances get get rubbed right out. It is, but Be- it's tough. It's hard to get to them. Because if there's a white teacher in a black neighborhood, they're the white savior and right. all this that's nonsense. Right. That's right. And, and it's like, no. They just live there. That's right. Or that's where they were able to get the job because that's it's right. Lutheran and that's the only Lutheran school. Right, exactly. And that's right. um, to me, it's it's far more interesting that that your parents wanted you to go to this yeah. Lutheran oh, school. By, and, by the, and then, of course, in the great scene of uh, uh, a number of black kids learning German. Oh, wow. <laughs> or, well, not that it ever stuck, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and we had Spanish classes, too, but we had you know, Lutherans. We had German classes, yeah, of course. You ever do this to a police dog? Plots! <laughs> it works sometimes. Does it really? <laughs> this angry dog will sit down because that's the German that's word. That's the German word. Sit the hell down. Uh, right, yeah. uh, one of the nuances that I have yet to see growing up in the 80s is something that I loved as a kid yeah. where there were either like physical arcades all yeah. over yeah. or if you went to a 7-Eleven or a restaurant or whatever it is, there'd be at least one or usually two video games just in the corner near the telephones or near the bathroom. And that just doesn't exist. And I'm like, those kids are too young right in that show. That's right, yeah. What do they know? What do they know? You know? That's right, that's interesting, that's right. Or or they just put in the most typical thing. Right, right. And you're like, come on, everybody. You didn't grow up then. That's right. Is there something like that about the 70s in South LA that, that I... I wouldn't have known because I didn't. I wasn't there. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And again, I don't think any one uh, thing sticks out of my head. Well, yes, of course there is. <laughs> well, it's the eight track tape, of course. Everybody so, had eight tracks back then. No, not everybody. But it was a big deal if you had an eight track tape. in your car in or at home. Car. In the car. This, you, we talking about this big honking thing, man. This is not like you know. This ain't no. This ain't no plug in. This ain't no. It, it's it's honking, but it's durable. You could put it in your car. It's not going to melt. But it ha- but it, it had to be installed under the dash. Oh, you're talking the player itself. The player itself, right. man. I'm talking about the player itself. It was like the, we had a friend of ours. He had one in his car. This thing was huge, man. <laughs> It's insane to think about it now. It's absolutely insane to think about that now. How could this be a good idea? And it, you know, and the eight track tape was this big fucking thing, man. It's like yeah. you can only have a few of them in the in the in the you know uh, the console yeah. thing in, 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 the, in the middle seat. And you stuck that thing in there, man. It was hilarious. It was like this massive thing. It was crazy, man. Was and also, nuts. some of the longer songs. Didn't make it. That's right. Like you had to go to the next track. That's right. That's right. To, to hear the track. rest of right. Stairway to Heaven or That's whatever right. it was. That's right. That's crazy. That's right. What were you bumping on your eight tracks back then? Uh, it's, it's, oh well. Apropos of the day we're we're uh, recording this. Okay. It was the theme from Shaft. 
Was it really? Yes, sir. Rest in yes, peace. Rest in peace, Richard Roundtree. That's right. So that Isaac was, Hayes. Yeah, Isaac Hayes. That's mm-hmm. right, baby. How about that? How about that? What a song that was. What a song that was. Wasn't it? That's right. That wow. guitar riff. It was just yeah. But everybody was bumping that man. Yes. Everybody was bumping theme from Shaq. That's right. As loud as you could with the windows that's down. Right. That's right. That's right. Because you just imagine everybody's thinking, well, whoever those people are, they're the coolest dudes that's right. in town, that's right? Okay, let's wrap up All with right. um, with uh, living here in Arlington Heights. Yeah, this is a great block. It is a great block. Here. I don't ever hear anybody talking about Arlington Heights. Well, that's good. Let's, let's not. You want to keep it that way? Yeah, you want to keep, keep it a we'll secret? Keep, we'll keep it a secret. We'll keep it is a secret. it a secret? Do you think? No, it's not a secret. I don't think it's a secret. But everybody's kind of, everybody's looking at West Adams and everybody's looking at Mid City, right? So they're kind of not quite, you know, because we're kind of in the hood and we're kind of not really the hood. You know what I mean? It's like we're kind of in between, right? So. When you were when you were you moved into this place what six seven years ago you yeah, said yeah, yeah. when you were scouting this place out was it also kind of hidden like I'll put it this way That's was, fu- was fu- it a better value that it wasn't well, mid city or, or uh, well you know you, well, I guess the real story is Tony you're right it's it's a place that I was you would drive by right you because yes. you're on Venice so you're either going east. Right, you go into downtown or Pico Union, or you're going west. You're going to West. And Venice is great shortcut. That's right. That's when right. the ten is clogged. Right, right. right. Or, uh, but I certainly always knew about the Midtown Shopping Center. Yes. Right, because of uh, World on Wheels. Because World on Wheels was the big roller skating place. So I don't know about this. Are you kidding? You know about World on Wheels? No. Yeah, it used to be right there. That, that was that was the big place. Now that was the big place. Certainly in. Uh, I think is it Rollbouts? Some movie got shot there. So, but World on Wheels was the place, like particularly, I think, in the late seventies into the certainly in the eighties, where where kids came from all over to 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 roller skate, and and yeah, it, it was in it, now there's a what is it? It's an LA Fitness, but in the basement was the was the. Uh, you know, world. Well, no, I guess the LA, where the LA Fitness was into the into the basement was the world. Over so there. this is off of uh, uh, Venice. Well, right, yeah, right where Venice and San Vicente and Pico all come together. Yeah, oh. yeah where the Lowe's is now. Yeah. Oh, right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah right there. And One the of the route, weirdest the inter- intersections there is. Yeah, I love that intersection. <laughs> Why do you love it? I don't know. Just everything is there. I just I'm always there. Everything's there and it's crazy. There. Yeah, that's right. You got a grocery store. You got a grocery store. You got a bank. You got Lowe's, so you can always you know get something. I'm always. Got to fix something around here. Is there any good food over there? Uh, not really. The cable company's over there. It's okay, huh? The cable company's there. Spectrum is there. Oh, yeah, Spectrum's over there. That's right. Spectrum. That's right. Spectrum is there, and the UPS is there. Uh, not really. Oh, that, but 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 not that far from here is a lovely uh, uh, vegetarian place, the Grain. That's a good place. It's called the Grain. The Grain. Okay. Yeah, yeah. and uh, El Taqueria. That's around here. So there are some good food places. They're not necessarily in the in the in the Midtown Shopping Center. Well, that's not wait. So wait, take it back. Yeah. So across the street from where the Lowe's is 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 the famous uh, uh, Oki's dog, which Oki. everybody calls Oki dog. Oki's dog. Oki's dog, which used to be further west. Yep. Right. Uh, speaking of gentrification, it used to be further west on Pico, <laughs> but where they were there, that lot was sold, and now there's a apartment building there. Mm. Right. But they moved, but they didn't move that far, so they moved east. And they're right there, still on Pico, but right across the street from Lowe's. I am so impressed that a man 
in, in and as by, good and as shape. Oki's, and Oki's Dog is, is, is in my first novel, Violent Spring. Is it really? Yeah, yeah. Violent Spring is set in the aftermath of 92. Yeah. Oh. So there you go. Because because it's kind of a shack type of a of a of a place where all types of people could, could show right. up at. That's right. That's right. And it's and it's exclusively an LA thing. It, it truly is, right? Because it has the uh, well, you got the pastrami burrito, but you got the crazy chili dog burrito, which I'm sure will stop your heart. With the chili and the onions and the cheese. When was the last time you had one? Not, You've never those, had one? I've, yes, I've had them, I've, but I'm an old man. I don't. Eat, I can't eat like that anymore. No, I still go there, but I don't go there for that. What do you get? I just get like a, a teriyaki uh, sandwich, teriyaki steak sandwich. That's it. That's I may good. get an okie dog. It's been it's been 20 years at yeah, least. And the first time I went, I went to I think um, one of the original ones where the punk rockers used to go to in, right. in West Hollywood. But they, and those two, and they're somewhat. There's I, I don't quite understand the story, but they are definitely separate one from the <laughs> yes, other. Yes, there are. Right. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and my buddy goes, "Don't ask what's in it; just eat it." Just eat and it, I was yeah. like, "Come on, right, I've right. I've fallen for this before." And they're right. like, I, "I I trust you. There's nothing disgusting in here, right. but you got to try." And it was pastrami, yeah, two hot dogs, there you go, in a a tortilla, yeah, and yeah. I think maybe chilies in there, I think, uh, yeah, and some cheese, it. yeah, it'll kill you. <laughs> we survived. We survived. Yeah, 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 but you can't eat like that now. Okay, anything else that people should know about Arlington Heights as they're driving through on the way to the Laker game? <laughs> yeah, just keep driving. Keep driving. That's right. Keep going. You have World Harvest over here. That's true. Oh, you're right. Do you, do you ever go there? No, but I know of them, and, and they were certainly uh, uh, lovely folks. And yeah. Certainly during, and now even still with the actor strike. Yeah. Uh, as you know, you you can you you can buy a basket for is it forty bucks? Forty. It used to be inflation has turned it to I think it's seventy now. Oh, is it okay? But you you buy but it's a, a giant shopping yeah, cart cart and you can fill it. Uh, and if you can't afford it, uh, the price it, you can still fill it, and as long as you then uh, volunteer. For like for like four hours. That's right. If you help right. them stock they're, and they're do great the thing, folks. That's right. but but certainly and during the strike uh, or during the height of the strike, I guess that's the way to say it. Yeah, uh, they got they got love, which uh, they gave love and they got love. So yeah, Glenn so, Carrado. Yeah, is yeah. The, is the guy yeah, who runs right. the place. Right. Uh, yeah, uh, I think he's Hawaiian or okay. Filipino. Have you interviewed him for for a different thing for okay. not this? That's great. Uh, yeah. Oh, I want to. I got to plug my book, man. Go, please you do. Know, you know, so before we leave out. Um, uh, yes, uh, yeah. So on your way uh, to the Laker game uh, and or uh, World Harvest, stop at the bookstore and pick up a copy of the unvarnished Gary Phillips Amando Pope collection. It's seventeen uh, stories of mine uh, that are sci- from sci-fi to Bizarro, uh, uh, Drive-In Fair. I got Aztec vampires. I got all kinds of stuff in it, and uh, I don't think you'll be disappointed. How about An that? Aztec vampire. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever climb any of those uh, pyramids? No, I like to, but I have never no. Because because I was lucky have enough, I, I was lucky enough to um, uh, many years ago. Yeah. Where and they've now stopped letting people climb the ones. Oh, because this crumbling. was in Cancun outside. Oh, really? Of Cancun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, people were slipping because it's very rainy over there. Yeah, um, and Americans are tall. Right, right. right. And uh, these Aztecs were not. Right, right, right. So why an Aztec vampire? Well, why not? I mean, it, it fits the story. It's, uh, Does it's a, it? Yeah, it's called Demon of the Track. And it, and actually, it's, the story starts, so real quick, the story starts with, uh, it's set in the 50s, late 50s. It's wow. L.A. It's when Venice was still Venice, the slum by the sea. Yep. And the main character in the story, Deacon Coles, is black, 
and he's inspired again inspired by a la my my uh, Harry story uh, and, the, and the crime photographer. There was a black fighter pilot in Korean in the Korean War who Kennedy. This this part is true. Who Kennedy really pushed to be part of the space program, and because of racism, oh. etc., he was pushed out. Huh. And and he eventually became a sculptor, fine art sculptor. It's kind of an interesting story. And I'm blanking the guy's name, but he's he's in a couple of documentaries about black aviators. Yeah. Uh, and so I thought, well, okay, I'm gonna take that guy's story or that guy's background, a fighter pilot, and he's you know because of racism and whatever, he 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 can't go fly for you know uh, United or TWA or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I said, but he's still a, a la Top Gun. He has the need for speed. So what if he becomes a hot rodder? What if he what if he drives? You know, uh, creates his own kind of you know uh, car uh, to to race in speedways and stuff. And because it's set in Venice by the sea, uh, the Santa Monica Freeway the Ten is yet to still be completed there. And so there, the the opening sh- opening scene is him racing on the kind of the him against his buddy on a kind of these rise rises that have been created where the the con- concrete ribbon of the freeway will come in. And mm. he wins the race. And this kind of uh, all these horror stories. This mysterious uh, woman comes up to him, uh, uh, Imar Montez, and she introduces himself to him, and then she's gone. But then, of course, he's he's fascinated. He's he's under the spell of this woman, and things and things happen. So it's kind of like a Roger Corman kind of story. I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like it. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Well, this has been a pleasure. Thank you. I, I'm talking to a successful black man who, <laughs> well, semi, who, yeah. who rose semi. Yeah, well, yeah, close enough. This is everybody's dream house. There you go. That's it. That's it. Am I wrong? Yeah, probably. <laughs> but, <laughs> are you been around long enough, Tony? That's all. A craftsman house. Yeah. yeah. North of the ten. Yeah, we are north of the ten. I keep you right. Yeah. Is everybody's never, dream I never, house? I never, I never think about that. We ain't, but we ain't that far north. You've got, you've got. We ain't that far north. That's that's mm-hmm. that's what it is. That's what we ain't on paper. That's all. That's all the real care right, about. Okay, yeah, yeah. You've got big windows with yeah. no bars on them. Yeah, yeah. You've got real hardwood floor that just looks perfect. I countless uh, Oriental rugs over here. That's a yes. Yeah, that's, that's a legacy from my wife's uh, mother. Is is she Asian? No. Oh, she just she just loved these kind of rugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got grandchildren who play here. Yeah, you get to he write. Lives, he lives here, but yeah. <laughs> he okay, just, even better. After yeah, even yeah. better. Yeah. You get to write about anything you want. Well, within reason, yeah. Well, that's true, though. I do write about things that I, I'm interested in. Yes, that's true. Aztec yeah. vampires are are well wasn't assigned to you. No, it wasn't assigned. That's true. <laughs> well, that is that is a good point. You've got a wife you've been with for how long? A long time. 38 years, yeah, yeah. This is the dream. There you go, baby. There you go. You're in it. That's it. You're healthy. You look good. (laughs) You got a great record collection. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) What's your secret? What what advice do you have for the young folks? Uh, I guess you got to live long enough, right? Isn't that it? Isn't that something about that? Isn't that about... If you live long enough, you'll be successful? No, no. Something about... Being old is the best revenge, or something like that. Isn't oh, there's, there's some, there's some. I like that. There is some saying about that, right? Yeah. Well, let me ask you this final thing: the the writing juices yeah. are they still there? Hopefully, yes. Do you have writer's block ever? Don't know. I can't say that word. No. You don't even want to say the I word. Don't want to say that word, man. It's like it's like Candyman. You know what I mean? <laughs> Beetlejuice. You can, or Beetlejuice. You can't if you say it three or four times. Tony, that's it. I'm just have you had it before? I not as far as I can tell. Then I don't think you'll learn Well, that's, wait. So what? But no, what happens is if I get stuck, and it gets stuck all the time. Okay. And then I got to go do something else. And then I come back. What do you do? So wait till uh, lift some I weights. Go, I go to the gym maybe, or I, I go read something. 
<laughs> oh. Uh, or I, uh, I might go watch TV. I won't watch TV because you get, get too many weird ideas. But I, I, I'll, I'll do something else or go do some yard work and then try to not think about it. In, you know, that's the, the only Zen thing I know. So if I don't think about it, it'll, it'll come to me. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for having me Thanks, today. Right? I appreciate you having me on. It's do you great. have a website or something that people can go to? They can go to it. I, I should update it, but it's, it's gdphillips.com. All right. Yeah. Goddamnphillips.com. There you go, brother. That's it. That's Thank it. you. Thank you. How great was Gary? You know, first of all, special thanks to Mike the Poet for setting us up. Mike has set me up with some of our best guests here. So if you have somebody who you also think would be fascinating, just like Gary has been, have them reach out to us. Have them write busblog at gmail.com. You know who we go to Okie Dog with? Our Patreons. When you stoke us, you're saying, Tony, you've got to stop eating so much fast food. Here's some cash for some takeout. So shout out to our Patreons, Nancy Rommelman, Sean Atlow, Matt Mills, Sean Wallace, Greg and Molly, Jamie Taylor, Mark Johnson, Kira Ann, Barney Grinke, Ben Welsh, Jen Adams, Trevor Wilson, Bree Wild, Dougie Gyro, Christina Up North, Robin Carey, Adam Shorn, Ben from Down Under, Chris from the ATX, Gregor, and Phil. To be a Patreon, just go to patreon.com slash here in LA. And give till it hurts ya. Want to support us but you're saving up for Black Friday? You can still help. Post your favorite episode on Facebook. As simple as that is. Just what? You know what? The year is almost over. So how about this? If you've made it this far in the podcast and you got a Facebook, post your favorite episode of the year so far. It might have been this one. If you don't remember, just go to hereinla.com and you can click the little linky poo and then copy and paste the URL and then stick it in your Facebook. Maybe that's what we should all aspire for. Posting one link from this podcast on our Facebooks. Woo-wee. Go crazy. Tweet about it, too. <laughs> Anytime you see me tweet about an episode, feel free to retweet it. It doesn't hurt anybody. It, it, it might actually be green. And for God's sakes, tell your friends. Tell your friends how Here in L.A. is spelled and that it's on Apple Podcasts and Google and Spotify and even on the YouTubes. Here in L.A. is produced by myself, Tony Pierce. Music supervision by Jordan Katz. Songs by Oregon and Jordan Katz. Special thanks to Cindy for creating the logo, Jen for inspiring this, and kids everywhere who are not getting good grades, who are not being encouraged, but there's stories in your heads and you gotta get it out. Do it, write it down, send it in, do the thing.